This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Forever Dog Rose and Jamie are two best friends And they love sex and the city And they couldn't help but wonder Do you love it too? Carrie, Miranda, Samantha, Charlotte, Cosmos, cheese, So many dudes. Every single dude All the dudes And we couldn't help but wonder With Jamie Lee and Rose Cerno. I'm Skylar Hanrath. And I'm Rose Cerno. And this is Couldn't, Couldn't Help, Help But, but wonder. wonder. A podcast where we talk about sex and the city and how it relates to, to us. us. To Very us. nice. You guys might wonder, wow, what is that beautiful baritone <laughs> that's usually Jamie's voice? It is the one and only Skylar Hanrath. Um, our dear, our dearly beloved Jamie is still alive, but she is celebrating her gorgeous birthday. And yeah, she's belizing it up. If you can believe it. That's if you can believe it, Jamie is hopefully drinking a gorgeous cocktail on on the shore somewhere. And where better to have a cocktail, to be honest? Yeah. So uh, let's all cheers to the wonderful birth of Jamie, without whom this podcast would not exist. And uh, Skylar and I are going to try try to do her proud by carrying the torch ourselves today. We're going to I think we're going to I think we're going to pull it off. I'm I think optimistic. we're going to fucking rock it. <laughs> I'm optimistic, but we'll see. We're, we're minutes in at this point. <laughs> this could be the end of our careers, both yeah, of us. <laughs> this, this episode might be it. It's exactly. Weak. Well, this is a very exciting episode to cover. I'm really in, excited that we're going to have this conversation. We're going to be covering season six, episode 18, Splat, which is quite the word for the title of the episode. Also, as you guys notice, we are getting dangerously close to the end here. So It's true. The emotions are high. Things are really getting dramatic. A hundred percent. This is, I, I loved this episode. Um, before we get into that, who were you with this week? Oh my God. Thanks for asking. I completely forgot about that. Um, I feel pretty, I guess I would say, I would say I'm a carry because I feel really, um, dedicated and passionate about my writing right now. Exciting. Yeah, I'm like working on a pilot. It's all, the first draft is almost done and I'm, you know, I'm writing hours and hours a day. I'm feeling totally focused uh, and it's just a good feeling. I feel connected to my purpose and my worth. And so yeah, I just feel I feel like I'm I'm on my path. How about that? Yeah, that rules. How about you? Who are you this week, Sky? I think that this week I would technically be a Miranda because 
it was just it and it's not over but it's been like very very busy with work like there's so much um i'm i'm on many an email chain to schedule jamie on many a podcast at Great. the moment basically awesome. yeah all really exciting because of the the wedding coach which the trailer just came out and like it's really really exciting but we're all in like the pre pre-release promotion scheduling and so as i imagine miranda would have been if she were and if she were an assistant <laughs> she would be scheduling emails left and right yeah so for those of you who don't follow us on instagram how dare you uh jamie is the host and executive producer of a new show based on her book it's called the wedding coach it's a reality tv show coming to netflix and it looks incredible and skylar when when will people be able to watch it april 7th um yeah it's so exciting yeah I am obsessed with reality shows and romantic reality shows. So even if Jamie wasn't one of my favorite people, this would be exactly my wheelhouse. Yes. And I mean, it's also one of those things too, where it's like, uh, like it was shot relatively long ago. And so it's just so nice to be at the end of that road and be in, and be in the like, let's get it out to the world section of things. It's like, it's going to be great. Yeah. Yeah. Can't wait. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mm -hmm. What flavor are you holding? Now open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. Okay, so let's dive into our episode. It begins with Carrie catching up with her old editor from Vogue, Enid, played by the inimitable Candace Bergen. Enid needs a favor. She's throwing a swanky party, and she was hoping Carrie could bring Alexander. Plus, a plus one for her. The party's shaping up to be mostly couples, and she's single. She needs help. Carrie isn't sure she'll be able to pull it off, but Enid makes it clear that she's not really asking. And Carrie gets to work done at Alexander's. While he's doing some cooking for a dinner party to finally meet Carrie's friends, Carrie asks if he knows anyone who's available. He does. He also asks Carrie to come to Paris with him, so it's quite the chat. And it's not just, will you come to Paris with me? He's asking her to move and uproot her life and live with him in Paris, just to be clear. Yeah, it's a pretty high stakes uh, little cooking sesh. Yeah, it's not just like, oh, will you come to Paris? It's, will you live in Europe now going forward? Do you want to check out Paris? Do you want to have a different life than you currently have? Exactly. So the dinner party begins. Um, Essentially, Carrie wanted to host a dinner party with her friends and Alexander because they haven't really had a chance to meet him before. So things get off to kind of a weird start. Steve wants to know if Alexander can play some Billy Joel on the piano that he has. And Alexander has no idea who Billy Joel is. It's definitely like a culture clash. Samantha thinks her housekeeper's using her vibrator and they're all having this very funny, open, freewheeling conversation about sex. And Alexander seems to be very weird about it. It doesn't help that he just announces that Carrie is going to move to Paris with him. But even before that, it's just very clear that there is a major cultural divide between Carrie's friends who are loose and funny, a little raunchy, also kind of modern, and Alexander, who's very European and classical, and he just has a different way of being. Yeah, it's a little it's a little 
uh like beverly hillbillies all of a sudden like in well, alexander's apartment like he's like not into it i don't know i i think that they're like being super fun it kind of feels to me more like he's stuffy and judgmental no i agree i think that they're cool and i like their dynamic but it is like just from his perspective he's like who are these slobs i know which is just i don't know obviously you know where my loyalties lie no i'm with i'm with them they, i mean talk talk billy joel nine o'clock on a saturday yeah and, and also it's like we're all adults drinking let's talk about your vibrator and make jokes about it like if that scandalizes you then like boring yeah roll with it like alexander like your housekeepers never played with one of your vibrators yeah it's like Skeptical. i bet y- you're really weird i mean i'm sure he has all kinds of weird intense sexual things where like during sex he like says weird Dostoevsky quotes yeah. or something well, his whole thing too is like he was like a studio 54 regular like the guy yeah. hasn't had like coked up hookups at the factory before yeah. like that penis has been riddled with disease a hundred percent that yeah, penis don't has think... taken quite the tour through manhattan <laughs> yeah don't be a prude all of a sudden yeah what kind of vibrator after dinner the core four head upstairs to pepper carry with questions none of which he really has any answers for yet when they leave carrie and alexander start to get serious about logistics she explains at brunch the next day. Also, just to be clear, they're asking her all about like, when were you going to tell us about moving and all the Paris stuff? Yes. And I've always wanted to learn French and drink wine before noon. So basically, it's my fantasy complete with Parisian parties and museum openings. But for how long? As long as it's fun, indefinitely. So you'd be moving there? No, because I would still have my apartment here. Which you'd be paying for. Well, we can certainly afford it. Do you think you might get married? No, that's... I, I don't think that's the point. Then what is he promising you? Um, the world? But what about your job? Your column is all about New York. You're all about New York. How would you... I, I don't know. How can you people still have questions? I got all your questions answered, and, and they were good answers, by the way. So this is the time when... Everybody sh- should be really excited for me. Well, we are excited. It's fabulous. No, forget it. Forget it. No, I think it's really romantic. And stop killing it with questions. We just want to make sure you think this through. I am thinking it through. But it's a nice offer, and it would be nice if my friends could be happy for me. Especially when I've always been happy for them. Carrie, we are happy for you. Anyone want to talk about cancer? (laughs) Anybody? I think that that phrase... Okay, I have a lot of thoughts about this conversation. I think it's like pulling a guilt card to be like, why aren't you just blindly accepting this thing? I'm always happy for you. Like, that to me is total bullshit. Like, if one of them was going to do something extremely rash and not thought out they would ask her about it. And it's not that they're not happy about her about it. It's not about them being unhappy for her and not being supportive. The people in your life who love you, part of loving someone is showing concern if behavior is erratic or potentially, you know, disastrous. And it's like, yes, she's an adult. She doesn't need their permission. They're not her mother. But... Your friends are there to check you and to ask for your thoughts on reality and all the things that they're asking when she's like, whoa, 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 too many questions. 
Those are legitimate, important, real questions. Like they're all, yeah, they're all also the exact sorts of questions that you would hope that if she's serious about it, she would have immediate answers for. And like that, she gets that she freaks out about it, freaks out about the interrogation, like tells you everything you need to know because it's just such a like, oh, I am not sure that I've thought this through yet. Oh, I am not sure that I'm ready to drop my life here in New York. And obviously, like we get to it, but like, but her. Like it is really high stakes and we'll like, it's a, it's a, it's never not a big move to move to another country and all the more so when you're like established in a place and in a career. Yeah. And I think it's kind of like, I think you really hit your, the nail on the head. She's mad at herself, not Mm -hmm. them. When she's like, I don't know, don't ask me. It's like, that's an interior, that's an interior monologue being externalized because it's like, you're going to have to need to know these things. It's it's like it's like it really reminds me of someone talking to their mom and being like, I don't know, mom, I'll figure it out. Like 100 percent. Like you're not mad at them. You're mad at yourself. And and I think it's important because Carrie's not sure if she's ready to totally close the door on marriage or babies or. And so it's a it's like it's a big not forget marriage and babies, but like the one stable thing in her life is her career, which. Yes. Is a big part of her identity and herself. and. And no judgment from me, but like deciding to be a kept woman is a massive decision. And also being a kept woman without like a formal agreement, like marriage protects you if you're oh, totally. about to give up a lot for yourself. Like if you're just someone's girlfriend and then you break up and you gave up your career, like you're fucked. So totally they're asking like really, really important questions. And I think her anger at them is that. I think she knows in the pit of her stomach that it's honestly not a good idea because you know what? It reminds me of conversations I have with my sister where I start getting really irritated with her because I feel like she's not supporting me or whatever. But it's usually because I know in my gut that the thing I'm trying to sell her is wrong. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's one of those things where you could almost feel Carrie like testing, like a fun version of this would be like if Carrie were to toss it out that like, hey, Alexander asked me to move to Paris. What do you all think? And or like, I'm thinking about this crazy thing. I haven't decided yet what to do. Exactly. Like it's, it's a fun idea to toss around, but like, but as soon as like the rubber hits the road of like, okay, you're probably going to either need to sublet your apartment or potentially leave your apartment entirely. Like as soon as you get into those hard logistics questions, it becomes a much less fun and romantic, uh, conversation. And Carrie, at least in the scene is just, frustrated at the prospect of having those conversations which is uh wild (laughs) yeah or even if she kind of approached it more like okay this is gonna sound totally insane i haven't decided but he asked me to go to paris with him i'm sort of thinking about it and then and then the conversation could be a little more like so what would you do about the column you know i really don't know i haven't thought about it enough maybe i could start like carrie goes to paris or you know what i mean yeah that was also kind of my first thought when i heard because this was my first time watching this episode my my immediate assumption was like oh i guess you would do like a an american writer in paris also which like, i not think as would work perfectly yeah that's like the least unprecedented thing for like a, <laughs> a, a like new york a romance writer to be in paris yeah no it's, yeah. it's seamless i mean maybe just to give carrie a little bit just so i'm not totally busting her chops yeah. i could understand you know Everything is so emotional when we get upset and it's like maybe there was a way for them to ask questions that didn't feel like an interrogation. Like 
Yeah. You know, maybe when you present things to people that you care about, you don't want to be like feeling like you're under attack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you're on the witness stand. Yeah. Yeah, like it could have just and there's so such small, subtle changes you can do to make people not feel attacked. More like even just more gentle, like, so what are you thinking about that? Or have you thought about instead of like Miranda, like, well, what are you gonna do about your column? Which yeah, is yeah, yeah. sort of an attacking kind of vibe. Yeah. Miranda is coming in hot. Yeah, she always does. Uh, let's jump back in. Yeah, yeah. So later at Charlotte's, she, Harry, and Elizabeth Taylor watch some TV. When Harry notices something, Liz has gained weight. Charlotte takes her to a pet store the next day to get her on a diet, but that is not what she needs. Elizabeth Taylor is pregnant. Charlotte is fucking pissed, given her <laughs> fertility problems. So Harry and Elizabeth try to steer clear. I love when she's like, everyone can get pregnant except me. It's like, yeah. especially considering that conversation that we had last week where I kind of talked about my fertility, which, by the way, I got so many sweet DMs, DMs to the pod, DMs directly to me. Oh, amazing. Uh, with people thanking me for, for sharing that. And I just wanted to say, like... Sometimes I do wonder if I overshare. I'm pretty honest about this pod. There are things I don't share with you guys, but I do share quite a bit. And getting all of those messages from women saying that they're in the same position, they understand, and that it helps to hear it from someone really makes it worthwhile. So that's awesome. Thank you for sharing with me. Yeah. So this episode was very, you know, when she's like, even my fucking dog is pregnant. I was like, I could really feel that. Yeah. It's such a funny, it's such a funny beat. And like, such a nice little like character opportunity with her with getting this new dog who just got like who just hooked up with quite a few dogs at the dog park (laughs) so funny yeah it's such a funny way to deal with something kind of hard 100 percent. yeah i also kind of love it's it's funny to like team up harry and elizabeth taylor which like this episode kind of does is (laughs) they're a little like dynamic duo like (laughs) that's so true yeah trying to like be pro charlotte but also like acknowledging like Elizabeth is getting the future that Charlotte wants. Um, And Carrie and Samantha head to a bookstore to grab some French language tapes. Carrie's still frustrated from brunch. She's convinced Miranda doesn't like Alexander, but Samantha sticks up for them both. Miranda's just worried about Carrie, and she has a point. Paris is a big decision. Yeah, it's kind of as we were saying, it's like the fact that Carrie's so annoyed or upset that Miranda doesn't like Alexander is. Because she knows that deep down somewhere, Carrie knows that Alexander isn't the guy. Because it's like, if your person doesn't get along with your friends, if you have a dinner party with your best friends who are practically fucking family, and it's really awkward with them and the person that you're going to marry, of course you could say, who cares? They're not marrying him. But it is a sign of like, is it not great that... The people I'm most comfortable with are uncomfortable with him. Yeah. 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 I feel like that's the thing that bothers her so much is that like she's like, oh, well, Miranda doesn't like him. And it's like, again, I'll bring up my sister because she's my best friend. And it's like if my sister didn't like someone I was dating, it would be a huge fucking problem, not because her opinion matters more than the person, but because she only wants the best for me, you know, and and you even if her opinion of the person is not like whatever it's based on, like she also has a sense of like what should be right for you. So like you like trust that and can like, even if you're skeptical of it in some ways, like the people you're closest in have your best interest at heart. So like, you got to kind of listen to them. Yeah. And it's like, for example, I have a friend who has a partner who like 
I personally don't enjoy hanging out with. But I think that he is a very good partner to her. Mm -hmm. So it's not like it's important that you actually want to hang out with them or that you think they're fascinating. As long as you can tell that they're a good partner to your friend, like totally or whatever. Like, I don't think that you have to, like, personally love your best friend's partner or anything like that. But you have to think that they're a good person or not good or bad, but like you have to think that they're a good, good to your. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Because I don't think it's not like you have to be obsessed with them or anything. A hundred percent. Okay. So back at Carrie's, she preps for Enid's party as Alexander waits. He's impatient. Is she going to come to Paris with him or not? Okay. Also, first of all, relax. I know it's, it's been like, it's like you three just days. asked yeah. me. <laughs> Carrie still is not so sure. She pitches long distance, you know, let's a little bit here, a little bit there. But that's not what he wants for Alexander. It's Paris with him or New York without him. He's such a macho. I know. Yeah, it's funny how like for such a quiet guy, he's so kind of aggro. Oh, he's so macho. <laughs> um, despite the Paris ultimatum, Carrie and Alexander still head to Enid's party. They introduce Enid to Martin, Alexander's food critic buddy, played by Wallace Shawn. Oh, love Wallace Shawn. He's amazing. Uh, yeah, he's the best. He's what a funny, bizarre little presence. He's Every time the best. He, he's also just one of those New York actors who will just kind of like do things. Like he like pops up in like Marriage Story, and like it, it just if there's like he he's like one of those guys who like if there's a production filming down the street and Wallace Shawn's in the vicinity, he'll like pop on it. And he's such a he's such a little presence. Mm-hmm. Um, Enid, unfortunately, is not impressed, but she still politely waves him inside. As soon as Carrie heads in herself, she gets flagged down by Lexi Featherson, an old plow slash scenester. There's also something that we haven't like explicitly mentioned, but there is this vibe that Enid is like, I'm at a certain age and mm-hmm. it's hard for me to find a guy. And y- the guy you're dating is my age. He should be with someone like me. So she kind of uses that also to guilt Carrie into getting her a date. And, you know, Wallace Shawn is extremely short and there's something sort of being not so subtly, very, very directly implied here that like at a certain age, a woman has to take what she can get. If even if that means like a tiny, unattractive man. And that's like a really big through line of this episode. Yeah, 100 percent. Yeah. Over in Brooklyn, Miranda complains to Steve all about Alexander. She can't stand all his pretentious B.S., But what she really can't stand is him taking Carrie from her. Back at Enid's, Carrie and Martin chat while Enid shamelessly flirts with Alexander on the couch. Carrie steps in to figure out what's going on and Enid comes out with it. She should be with Alexander, not Carrie. It's a really interesting conversation because it's the kind of thing that like maybe you would think in your head, like he should be with me. I deserve him. It's like that childish inner selfish person that we all have it's yeah. like pretty astounding that like she admits that to carrie because it's a really embarrassing thing to say and like oh, totally. very vulnerable like it's, wild it's one of the most interesting dynamics that i think the show has like kind of discussed to date like obviously all four women are around the same age but this is like someone who's fully the generation above them who's mm-hmm. established a, mm-hmm. in a little bit of a different way and her expressing plain jealousy toward Carrie for having like a guy that she thinks is like more of her caliber is like, that's really, really interesting. I kind of loved yeah, the it, exploration of that. It was good. It's kind of like, um, I don't feel this way. I'm tall and I don't care who people date, but sometimes a tall girl will see a short girl with a tall guy and go like, yeah, 
that should be for me. And it's, it's interesting because like there's a part of me that sees that conversation between Candace Bergen and SJP and thinks like this feels like a little bit of like internalized sexism and ageism on the part of the writers who are all women being like, you know, there's just a vibe throughout this. This whole the theme of the whole episode is like as you get older as a woman, like your stock just plummets and you have yeah. to take what you can get. And like, that's a big part of this episode. And I, I have mixed feelings about it because in one sense, I'm like, wow, it's like a harsh message, unapologetic message to be written by women for women. But on the other hand, I do like it when shows get real about stuff. It's not like this is like a I don't believe in absolute truths. I think that there are like people that find love at all ages um, and that there's always people dying and getting divorced and breaking up. So there's always new people in the market or whatever. the, The pool is shifting all the time. Yeah, but there's also truth that like men often, not all the time at all, but there are it's kind of culturally acceptable and accepted that men will date someone 20 years younger because they can. So I do kind of appreciate the conversation, even though it's not exactly girl power and it doesn't exactly feel relaxing to watch. I don't think it's like the full truth because I don't believe that truth works that way. But I do think it's an element of no, totally. that, that, that there is truth to it that is hard to take. Yeah. And I also think it's one of the things I like so much about it is like, it's it's a it's a good case not to like universalize from like Enid expressing this jealousy feels really particular to Enid in this case and that it's not going to be there's nothing that feels like very good specific writing and very good specific character choices to make um and not the sort of thing that you should derive necessarily like a bigger lesson from that like your 60 year old vogue editor's got to be with it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I loved it. This was the, it was the other section I, like, I, I did consider clipping it, but there's something that comes up that's so iconic that I was just like, I gotta go with the iconic thing, but I, I'm right there with you. Yeah. <laughs> um, Carrie heads to the bathroom to think that over where she runs into Lexi doing coke. Lexi asks if Carrie wants any, but she passes. Back at Charlotte's, she has more trouble with Elizabeth. The dog shit on the rug and Charlotte's dealing with it when Harry pops in. Elizabeth has gone into labor and Charlotte has three new puppies on her hands. Also, just in case people are listening to this episode and they didn't watch it or they don't remember it, just to put a fine point on it, Lexi is this character that's supposed to represent the party girl that never grew up. So she's single. She's in her 40s. It's kind of like it's embarrassing because she's still doing coke and drinking. And um, she's kind of supposed to represent like in very harsh terms, like a loser, I think. Yeah, sort of like a like road not taken, like cautionary tale type yes. thing. Yes, yeah. her character is a cautionary tale. She's like blonde. She's wearing this, you know, kind of like skimpy outfit. She's upset that everybody's in a couple. You know, when she sees Carrie, she's like, oh, thank God, another single girl. And Carrie's like, I'm not single. So just to remind you guys, Lexi who's doing coke in the bathroom and who's an old friend of Carrie's is kind of like the ghost of what you don't want to become. And then another thing that's really sweet about what you just said is like Charlotte isn't like having this huge pity party. She's really feeling bad for herself. Her dog is pregnant. She's like, can't even look at her dog. But then when Harry tells her that the dog is going to labor, she goes, mommy's coming. And yeah, it's she like, lights up. It's so yeah. sweet. It's like this really sweet thing of like, but she is a good mom first and foremost, and she can put her own jealousy aside and be there yeah. for her. There's a lot of jealousy in this episode. And actually a lot of 
There's a big theme of like women being jealous of what other women have. A hundred percent. And like what it means to be a woman in terms of like being single or not, having kids or not, being able to get pregnant or not. So that's like a big topic for this app. This one was co-written by Jenny Bix and Cindy Schupack. And I like those two have so many amazing episodes individually uh, to their credit. But like, I think that them coming together in this one, like it feels like such a special episode that's dealing with like so, so much. It's really cool. Absolutely. So back at the party, Carrie and Alexander chat with a couple who split their time across the world, which Carrie is very into. See, Alexander, this can actually happen. But Alexander is not sold. Lexi, meanwhile, is super fucking drunk and just kind of explodes. Carrie, you have a lighter. Oh, no, sorry. I don't smoke anymore. Oh, fuck you. Anyway, I'm just a huge fan of the pomegranate. Do either of you have a light? There's no smoking in here. Please go outside. There is no outside. It's fucking snowing. (laughs) Ooh, a candle. She was rather rude. I don't even know how she got in here. Hey! How do you open this fucking thing? Excuse me, miss. Could you uh, keep it down? You keep it down, fucking geriatrics. Now, our hostess has already said there's no smoking. Why did everybody stop smoking? Why did everybody pair off? This used to be the most exciting city in the world, and now it's nothing but smoking near a fucking open window. New York is over. O-V-E-R. Over. No one's fun anymore. Whatever happened to fun? God, I'm so bored I could die. She falls out a window. It was the first time Lexi had ever left a party early. (laughs) Okay, first of all, that actress is so fucking funny. She's amazing. I mean, I don't know if you can get like Emmys for one show, being guesting on one show, but that is like... That is the performance that deserves a fucking it, award. It rules. It's it's also that she interrupts uh, Wallace Shawn's little food critic character bragging or saying that he loves uh, pomegranates right now is <laughs> like every detail of this rules. And she yeah, she's brilliantly funny in it. It's so good. I mean, it's just like I think this um, episode is all about the id. It's like mm-hmm. everyone's ugliest most narcissistic qualities and fears and insecurities are just being like pummeled out. Like nobody is keeping jack shit in. And it's interesting because it's like in real life. I don't know. I guess it's hard to say, but a lot of this stuff that people are saying, Candace Bergen saying, you're in your forties. How dare you date a guy in his sixties? Leave those guys to me. And then this woman saying like, I'm in my 40s. When did everyone get into couples? New York isn't fun. Just kind of being like a baby and having a tantrum. Mm -hmm. It's like 99% of the time people cover that stuff up. But what makes good television is like not just what you see every day. People being boring, going about their day. It's like what makes good television is things being exciting and like all the shit bubbling out from the surface. And absolutely. And and also sometimes just like saying the thing, saying the thing that's on a lot of people's minds and like because you don't actually in real life outside of television. It's very rare that people just shout the exact New York is over. (laughs) When did everybody couple up? Fuck this fucking place. 
And then also, like, just this episode, like, goes so hard, too, because also to call it splat and then that to be like <laughs> all of the all of the tabloid headlines afterwards, like literally about this woman dying is like the <laughs> nuttiest thing. Well, that's kind of what I love about the show, too, I do too, is that like the tone is fucking wild like yes that's something that i really like about comedies that are also dramatic and have heart in them like this absolutely is that like even though everything is so wacky there's reality in all of this like mm-hmm. there are people we do we know people who are in their 40s who still just haven't gotten the memo and who are just like completely still doing drugs and like you know yeah. fucking djs and you're like come on like the the, the thing that makes it work is the it's heightened and cartoony, but at the core is reality. Like completely. And also I feel like, yeah, the tone is so weird and unusual because it's like a character dies, which is very funny in this really dark, ironic way, because she says like New York is dead and it's over. And like, does she say I'd rather be dead? Yes. And then she dies. Right. So it's like really funny and tongue in cheek. I mean, it's not funny that she's dead, but they they did it in a very clever way. But the weird thing is. Yeah. Because when she fell out, I didn't I don't have these episodes memorized like Jamie. I saw the show. I haven't I didn't have cable. I mean, I've seen it maybe once. Mm-hmm. So I remember watching her fall out and going, whoa, and, and thinking, like, are they on the second floor? Did she just like yeah. hurt her, like, like break her ass? But then like. The fact that she really dies is really weird because the girls are like making punny jokes about it and the like tabloids are punny and even at the funeral, they're not sad. They're kind of just yeah. tongue in cheek. And it's it's just such a weird tone because you're like, okay, this is a comedy, but this isn't like anchor man. This is like no. a grounded comedy. Yeah. So the fact that they're not sad at the funeral is like really an interesting choice that I honestly don't really know how to feel about. Well, it's also like it's I agreed. It, there's a degree to which it doesn't really feel grounded, but it also it, it does feel grounded for the show because like. Do you remember? I think it's that season two episode where the, that fashion designer dies. And then I think Charlotte meets a guy at the funeral. Right, right. So, but the whole thing is like, it's going to be the hottest funeral of all of New York. Right, right. And then it's like, it, they kind of didn't really hit it hard enough in that episode. And so I think that this is, in addition to being like such a wild way to get back into that space, it's also a way to like kind of kind of correct that error and really make this the social funeral of the season which i think is so silly and and fun maybe it is kind of grounded that they aren't cut up because it's not a good friend of any of theirs it's just a party girl that not to say that that they overlapped with yeah yeah, it's not to say that a life is is dispensable but i I could also see myself not crying or not being super wrecked about somebody i barely know i think probably i would just feel a little if this happened to me and i was attending something like this i think i'd be really shaken up like it's actually pretty traumatic to like be in a room where somebody just died so I'd probably be really shaken up and I would probably be really uh, like reflective about like, fuck, you can really just go at any time. Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah, that's that's one of the things that that I love about this beat just because it is like truly so daring. And they also because it could fall so flat, but they also have the beat where as soon as she goes out the window, Carrie spins around into Alexander's shoulder. She's like horrified, like everybody in the room is is adequately horrified, like 
truly what could be more scary than i mean awful yeah. awful yeah. yeah but it but it's daring that it still works as comedy because like it could not it could completely be like well we shouldn't have veered into that territory exactly um after lexi's pavement dive the snow really picks up and carrie tells alexander she wants to go to paris after all wait but before you continue mm-hmm to me, that is so intense that literally it's like the most like Grecian tragedy. Like, th- I mean, the symbolism could not be clear. If you do not go to Paris, you are going to be a middle aged woman alone at parties doing cocaine that falls out of a window. It's like she says yes to Paris right after she sees the biggest fear of her future. Absolutely. Yeah. It's and I, I love that the show does that occasionally because there's also that beat in, in season five where Carrie meets that woman at the um at that like lunch counter and she's sprinkling sprinkling like Valium under her ice cream. And that woman is like Carrie's nightmare version of herself. And I, I like that Carrie gets reminded of that every now and again. I, I wish some of the other characters had that because it it does feel a little as if it's all on Carrie to behave almost irrationally when she's confronted with these fears i kind of but. wish though that like i think that it's really clever and really smart too and, and i i don't think people should make life decisions based on fear but i do think yeah. fear is very real and yes. that you can always see an example of what you don't want to be but like it would be kind of cool something the show really hasn't done is if carrie saw like a really thriving sexy happy woman who like was rich and killing it who didn't have the things that she thought you were supposed to. I mean, it's kind of like Samantha in a way, like a hundred percent. It's like, she only sees the scary version of a single woman or a scary version of, you know, not having kids or, you know, it's, it's like if, if it yeah. were true, she'd see a couple different versions, you know? Yeah. Agreed. It's, it's one of the ways in which the show, not that the show is conservative, but the it's show kind of reinforcing the status quo. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of saying like, you don't have to get married. And it's kind of funny because it's like at the end of the day, everyone is doing the traditional thing. Everyone is in a monogamous, serious relationship. Most people are having kids. It's like, it's kind of funny because it's kind of revolutionary, but it's kind of like at the end of the day, not. <laughs> yes. Agreed. There's, there's, um, one of the things that I think is so interesting about this episode as a whole is that like it's very much so the tension of the fantasy and the real ugliness of reality. The fantasy being Paris in this case and then or Lexi dying on the pavement. Uh, yeah, it's like those are your options. Yeah. It's, it's like it's there's like, not an option of like staying in a city with your best friends that are family, continuing to make great money, doing what you love and being great at it, and then always dating and always having a new guy. A hundred percent. Yes. Yeah. Agreed. Um, uh, she wants to go to Paris after all. Miranda, Steve, and Brady make snow angels in their yard, and Charlotte shows the new puppies the snow. Everyone meets up at Lexi's funeral, which proves to be quite the scene. Even Enid shows up with the schlubby food critic. And Carrie tells everyone about Paris and quitting her column. When Miranda tries to question her, she shuts it down. But they walk and talk after the service. I can't believe you quit your job. Couldn't you write the column there? No, they weren't really into my American Girl in Paris angle. You know, New York paper, New York girl. It got to be such a hassle, so... Are they gonna have someone new write it, or? Don't know. Probably some 29-year-old single girl with all new problems. I think you're making a mistake. Miranda, please. 
Carrie, you can't quit your column. It's who you are. No, it's not who I am. It's what I do. That's my column. You know, I think I should go home. What? I'm not allowed to have an opinion? You have an opinion. You've had it for quite some time. What are you going to do over there without your job? Eat croissant? Why can't you be happy for me? I'm sorry, but I don't understand why you have to move away and give up your life. You moved to Brooklyn? That's just Brooklyn. I cannot stay in New York and be single for you. What? This is about you. As long as I'm here in the same place writing my column, then nothing has really changed. No, this is about you. No, you moved on, Charlotte's moved on, even Samantha's moved on. I can stay here and write about my life, or I can go with him and live my life. You mean his life? Oof. Carrie, I love you. Come on. Just say it. You don't like him. Fine, I don't like him. Then don't you go to Paris with him. You're living in a fantasy. The writing is so good on this show that scene is i hope this is excellent i mean fuck this this season better have collected emmy after emmy because that is a master class in dramatic writing i mean that's why the show is a comedy drama because it's like that's a dramatic that's a perfect dramatic scene i mean that could be in like a play agreed it's also i mean it's it's such a um both of the characters are right and neither is wrong and that's like where the tension is it's like it's amazing yeah i mean carrie has so many good comebacks like then you don't move to paris with him you know and i love the line of like instead of like writing about my life i'm gonna go live my life all that stuff is great um and and really cool and you know what i think for some person that could be true for example i don't think a job has to be has to define you i think in some circumstances, if somebody moved to another country to be with a partner and settle down and risk their job, that could be the exact right thing to do. Totally. I just think we haven't really been proven that for Carrie because I don't really buy her saying that's what I do. That's not who I am. That's legit for someone, but it's not legit for Carrie because it actually yes. is who she is. And that's not a judgment. That's just a fact. And so I think a lot of the rebuttals she has for Miranda are clever and and incisive, but I don't think that they're true. Agreed. It's such a like, um, I'm going to assert things I don't believe kind of scene for Carrie, whereas Miranda is just being honest and like wanting her friend. She's telling her she doesn't like Alexandra. She's telling her she wants her friend in New York. She's telling her friend that like her life is in New York and Carrie's like, well, what if that's not the case when I think she knows it's the case which i think is such a good engine for this scene yeah i I, and i don't buy i I think it was a great scene and i thought that the tete-a-tete was great but i think that carrie is full of shit in this scene yes and i I don't believe that miranda is saying that to keep her there i don't i i i think miranda loves carrie and of course wants her friend nearby but i think if it was an amazing opportunity for carrie i think miranda would be all for it even though she'd be sad i don't think it's just from this self-centered place, in my opinion. Yeah, I guess I don't mean she's like trying to convince Carrie to do something that Carrie's already convinced she's not going to do. I just mean that like she's being honest and she sees the dynamic that Carrie's denying. Basically. No, no, I'm just saying yeah. 
not off your point. I'm just saying I don't think Carrie makes these claims like you just don't want me to go because selfishly you want me here. I think that that anytime a friend moves on, it can be painful for for you. And I I think that's understandable, but I don't believe that that is actually what is happening. Totally. As Carrie is trying to claim like you just want me here. So it's convenient for you. Like, I think. That's just an easy cop out, you know? And and it's also like Carrie knows that that's never been the case in their relationship. Like, that's not what her and Miranda have. It's like, to your point, like, if it was some amazing, like, come head up Le Monde's new English language desk or whatever the hell opportunity for Carrie, like, Miranda would be like, yeah, you have to go do that's that. What I'm but that's saying. not what it is. I don't think, I, I think Carrie is saying that to make herself feel better. Well, you just don't want me to go because you just don't want me to be there. And it's like, that's actually not what's happening. Yeah. And I mean, the episode even builds to to just further reinforce the fantasy, like it fully closes on Carrie and Alexander taking a a snowy sleigh ride together through Central Park and like the most almost like Disney style, like romantic image that's just like so not uh, what everything has been uh, with Carrie romantically with everybody except for Alexander for the most part. It's interesting because I almost feel like Carrie and Alexander's relationship is the exact opposite of Steve and Miranda's. Like, mm-hmm. like Carrie and Alexander do all of the fanciest things and do stuff out of a romance novel, but there actually is no there there. Whereas yes. Steve and Miranda have a really solid love for each other and actually work. And they just do shit like go to the grocery store. And it's like, yeah. that's actually love. Like, just because you're like wearing a Versace dress to the Met, that's not what makes a good relationship. That's what makes Agreed. a good romance novel. Yeah. It's also, it is very funny. I a thousand percent agree with that, but it is funny that um, they live in, I mean, obviously Miranda killing it as a lawyer. Steve owns a bar, or manages the bar with it. not really sure what the financial situation is, uh, but it's just funny that they're like, lower stakes victory relative to alexander's like this totally beautiful home in brooklyn that like oh it's amazing yeah yeah okay so this brings us to the question of the episode they say the unexamined life is not worth living but what if the examining becomes your life is that living or just procrastinating and what if all those helpful lunches and late night phone calls to friends have made us all girl talk and no girl action. Is it time to stop questioning? It's a great, really well-worded, really cool question. And like many episodes with with the question of the episode, I think out of the context, it's a really legitimate, really legitimate question. I do think that people overanalyze. I do think some women overly rely on friends to tell them how to navigate their sex and dating life, which I think is a sign of not really having a strong inner compass. I do think there is such a thing as totally farming out all of your decisions to other people, which is not healthy and which is toxic. So I think that there is a version of that. This case is not that. Yes. That's my thought on this. No, I agree with you because again, the questions that Carrie's refusing to answer, like in, in the context of the episode are like, very basic logistical ones where it's like no you need to answer those like all right like you got to pay rent the next month if you're not going to go to paris so like do you have it are you going to sublet like it but yes i agreed 100 percent that like analysis paralysis is real in in relationships but carrie i think that carrie 
in the context of the episode is leaning into like getting away from being paralyzed by an overanalyzing things. And I think that it's a little disingenuous and, and uh, her leaning into the fantasy of the whole thing when it's like, yeah. Yeah. I also feel like deciding to go to Paris with your boyfriend because a single woman fell out of a building is like a completely fear-based decision. And absolutely. And you know, you know, she's gotten it from all sides. Her single boss in her sixties is like, it's hard out there. You're lucky. Hold on to him. And then this other woman is like, I'm alone and falls and dies. It's like, I'm very empathetic to Carrie. It's not like I think Carrie is crazy or insane or why would she do this? It's understandable why she's dealing with this stuff. But I think just because I understand it doesn't mean that's a healthy way to make decisions. Like completely, you still, even if you see things that scare you, it's kind of like betting on yourself. For example, if you were a writer and you knew someone who was like, 50 and still hadn't broken through and lived in a shitty apartment and you were like okay well then i'm not gonna try and be a writer it's like yeah yeah, that does suck but you can't make your decisions because other people have had a hard time or are not where and so i i just feel like making a decision from that place is not smart but i do think to this question that i certainly know people who need their friends to make their decisions. Mm-hmm. And I do think that that is toxic. Oh, I agree. Yeah. I, 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 and I have it sort of from the other direction, just personally where I'm like, I wish I were a more decisive person. I think I, I, I'm like, I'm happy with a lot of the things that have happened in my life, but I think other interesting things could have happened if I had just the capacity to be more decisive. And so I'm very, part of me gets the appeal of, or no, a lot of me gets the appeal of, of, farming out your decision making if decisions you can. by consensus and stuff yeah. yeah and i think that there's a healthy version of that for example skylar yeah. if you had an opportunity that dropped in your lap that was like a cool career change but it was like fuck what do i do i think it's totally healthy and reasonable to talk to your close friends and confidants and people you respect i i think that it's completely normal and healthy to talk things out with people totally and get perspectives And I think that's part of the human experience. I think as long as you're taking it in, listening, considering, and then sitting with yourself and deciding. Yes, absolutely. And that is also, uh, oh, I just want to make this point too. That is not what what Carrie is doing in this episode. Like she is almost exclusively making like really fear-based decisions. And it's, it's such a good case study in like why you should maybe wait a couple of weeks after you witness somebody fall out of a building to decide if you're going to move to Paris. Right. Exactly. So right before we get to the I'm horny for segment, I just want to bring something up that somebody mentioned in the, uh, inst- on our Instagram. And, uh, again, because not all of our listeners follow us on Instagram. How dare you? Uh, I just wanted to make it clear. Somebody was like, I can't believe they didn't talk about Samantha's insane, uh, oh, racist yes. black yeah, yeah. wig in the last episode. Cause uh, Samantha's trying on all these different wigs and she like literally is doing like a black scent and like talking about her foxy brown wig. And I just wanted to say for the record, I almost always watch the episodes before we record, but last week I just didn't get to it. So I didn't notice that until after we recorded, but yes, that's totally psychotic. And it's kind of interesting how a lot of the pointedly racist stuff always comes from Samantha. So I just wanted to say in case 100%. you were confused or surprised, I, I, I shit the bet I didn't watch the episode before. Okay, so Sex and the City is obviously a very horny show. So we end each episode by sharing what we're currently horny for. Skylar, what are you horny for? 
I am horny for um, a movie. Uh, mm. I'm horny for Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. Hell yeah. Which is the new Kristen Wiig, Annie Mumolo, uh comedy that like just rules. I like, I love Bridesmaids so much, which Kristen and Kristen Wiig and Annie Mumolo wrote. And like, uh, there are a few projects I've like anticipated more than like their return. And I think this movie is so much fun. It's so... It's so funny. It's so just kind of like uh, unrestrained. Let's just lean into doing absurd character bits for like a hundred minutes, basically. And it's like it rules. Like it, I feel like we've also kind of gotten the slightest bit past it, just like conversation wise, because it's only available like for like twenty dollars on VOD or did whatever. He, right now, like, did, did I do this as a horny for? No, we haven't talked about oh, it. Oh wow, yet. amazing! It's the funniest movie of all time. It's so good. Yeah. She, I mean, they're, they're geniuses. And if you haven't seen it, like you got to rent it on Amazon or wh- wherever you That's rent your I were, movies. Yeah. Yeah. I, I co-sign. I thought it was absolutely hysterical. Um, I am going to shout out. What is my big horny for? I feel like I listened to some great. Oh, I'm horny for the Oprah interview of Meghan Markle and Harry. I finally watched it days after it had been released. And motherfucker. I mean, Meghan is so graceful and so gracious. She really makes a point to say, like, Kate Middleton made me cry, but she's not a bad person. She immediately apologized. She made a point to say that the queen was nothing but loving to her. She really was gracious and extremely vulnerable talking about her suicidal ideation. And I thought it was a brilliant, brilliant interview. Oprah's obviously the best interviewer that has ever lived. It is a gripping watch. It is a must watch and it is fucking iconic. So that's what that was my horny for. Yeah, that was that was quite the event. I feel terrible for the way that she was treated. What a true nightmare. (laughs) Yeah, I really hope that this uh, causes some big changes in in the tabloid journalism and, and that it changes the, uh, the reporting on people of color in the UK. So that is our episode guys. Uh, Jamie will be back next week and sky. Thank you for being, uh, filling in and being fabulous. Thank you. This, we had so much fun. It was great. Splat away. See you all next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to Couldn't Help But Wonder. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at chbwpod. And follow my co-host Rose Cerno on Insta and Twitter at Rose Cerno. And please follow my co-host Jamie at ReallyJamieLee on Instagram and at TheJamieLee on Twitter. And please rate, review, subscribe to our show on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app if you're nasty. It helps us. It helps you. It helps everyone. You nasty. Bye. Bye. Forever. This has been a Forever Dog production, executive produced by Joe Cilio, Alex Ramsey, and Brett Boehm. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcast.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook.